as far as why I presented this content and why this content is so important is because every single one of them and my patients and clients would get to a place where they said, well, it's too much or I don't have time or this is difficult or that is difficult because they didn't take the time. People don't naturally take the time to figure out what's most important, how they want to feel both physically and emotionally in order to vet their choices. And so we all want to do so much. We want to say, yes, we want to help people. We all have aspects of our personality, like being perfectionists or being driven, you know, and our cultural paradigm too, right? That's very much the cultural paradigm now, do, 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 where we take on so much and we have so many things going on that we lose sight of what it is that's really most important and that's what leads to the overwhelm. Hey, this is Heath Padgett and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 167. The RV Entrepreneur is a weekly podcast for nomadic entrepreneurs and on today's episode, I'm interviewing a dear friend of ours named Dr. Samantha. Alyssa and I met Dr. Samantha, how we've met a lot of our friends over the past few years. We were passing through her city, and she invited us to park our RV in her driveway. It's a pretty awesome way to make fast friends if you've never met somebody. And even though we just stayed a few days together, there have been so many things that uh, we talked about during that week, just having good conversations over a glass of wine that have really stuck with me, specifically around self-care and overall our health and the decisions that we make on a daily basis and whether or not those are aligned with our long-term goals and the way we see ourselves living out our lives. When we packed up to leave, uh, Dr. Samantha actually wrote a prescription for Alyssa that we found recently when we were unpacking our things, something to the effects of drink lots of lattes and learn to relax. And while Dr. Samantha is not our viewer, I wanted to bring her on the podcast for a couple reasons. One, she's worked with a lot of entrepreneurs over the last two decades at her practice in Portland, Oregon, helping them get clarity on their values and what's most important to them. And I feel this is just a really important topic to dig into for anyone who's trying to create a business of their own or just live a meaningful life. One of my biggest values that I talked about recently on our goal podcast was just getting clarity on how I want to spend my time and what I want to do. And so that was one of the reasons why I wanted to bring her on this episode. And secondly, she helps people overcome a sense of feeling overwhelmed. If you've ever said out loud, I feel overwhelmed, like you have too many things going on, you're trying to balance your work, your personal life, or your family, or anything like that. We don't have kids yet, so I really don't really have a good excuse for feeling overwhelmed. But I still have found myself saying those words for whatever reason, uh, whether or not I'm actually overwhelmed or it's just kind of a, a feeling that I have. Uh, it's something that has been on my mind over the past year. And one of the reasons I brought her on this podcast is she specifically helps people deconstruct why they're feeling overwhelmed and ways they can uh, combat that. And one of the things I learned in this episode was that feeling overwhelmed and deconstructing that is much more complicated than just saying, I feel stressed, you know, I need to go meditate or exercise or say no to more opportunities. Uh, it's kind of starting at the baseline, figuring out what's most important to you and how you're making intentional decisions on living that out every single day. There are a lot more things that we covered in this episode, and I'm pumped for you guys to hear it. Uh, without further ado, let's get into today's episode with Dr. Samantha. 
All right, I am recording. Dr. Samantha Brody is a licensed naturopathic physician and acupuncturist and the founder of Evergreen Natural Health Center in Portland, Oregon. She's had more than 30,000 patient visits over the past two decades. She's a sought-after speaker and has been featured as an expert in the LA Times, Wall Street Journal, Huffington Post, and occasionally hosts random RVers in her driveway like us, which is actually how we met a few years ago. Dr. Samantha, thanks so much for being on the podcast. My pleasure. I'm really excited to chat today. So do you always just host like random people in RVs in your driveway? Is that like a thing that that you do as a hobby? I have to be perfectly honest and say you're the second RV that I had in my driveway, but I do tend, you know, I'm pretty introverted and not very social as a rule, but I do tend to have a policy where when people need a place to stay that I offer that up. So I've had all kinds of situations from a, you know, a kid who was experiencing homelessness with his pregnant girlfriend living in their van, moving into my house for six months to another friend who was splitting up with his girlfriend, ended up living here for a year. And, you know, people, it's, uh, you're not the first person to crash here. I'll just say that. And it was your, your visit was pretty short compared to some of the other situations we've had. Oh man, I, I don't, I don't know why. So I took slight offense that I wasn't like your first RVer to host, but it makes total <laughs> sense. Um, silly me. Is that like a thing uh, that why, why do you host people that you've never met before? I mean, I've, I just something I'm interested in because we've met yeah. so many amazing people over the past few years and it's kind of a strange thing. It's like, I don't know you, but I'm going to come park at your home. Well, I would hardly say, I mean, certainly this isn't an invitation to your listeners to come to my Portland. <laughs> You know, I will say that it's not people I don't know. Um, you know, the kid who was the young man who was living with his girlfriend, I trained martial arts with. And my, you know, my friend was breaking up with his girlfriend and other people, you know, other friends who have been kind of in between things. The other RVer was moving to Portland and had nowhere to live. And he, you know, moved into our driveway with this cat for a month and a half. Or, but he was, you know, a good friend's ex so it's not strangers, but people who I know who I felt compelled to lend a hand to. And, you know, there aren't my life is very insular because I really am focused on what's most important to me. And it's a way I feel like I can help that is not a, a huge burden on you know, it's, it's no burden at all. And I also really like meeting interesting people as well. Right. I mean, I think that how did I think that you posted in the um that we were at like going to world domination summit and like we've been involved in that community for a while. And I think we may have just posted in the group because we could never find a good place to park our RV. And yeah. we had like a video shoot or something near downtown. And it's just like all the campgrounds we have stayed at in Portland just have been terrible. Right. And they're probably not, they're probably pretty far out, I would imagine. And so I think that, so I was doing, I was teaching an academy at WDS that summer. And I think that it was actually on, you know, it was on a lot of the um, content that actually ended up in the, the book that we're going to be talking about in a minute. And we, uh, you posted in the app, I think, and I saw it. And again, if it was just a random person at WDS, I might not, you know, random person who was going to the conference, I might not have offered it, but I knew that you knew Chris who runs the conference because you were, you know, you were showing your movie there. And so, you know, there was a connection with a friend. And so I felt comfortable saying, Hey, I, we have a huge driveway come park. And it <laughs> It's so great to meet you guys. I mean, honestly, that was one of the highlights of the weekend for me. 
Oh, thank you. Yeah. So I appreciate you letting us park our giant RV in your driveway. So let's, let's move past uh, us parking in your driveway, which I'm grateful for. <laughs> and I want to talk, I, I'm almost done reading your book, your book, Overcoming Overwhelm, which you were actually writing the book proposal for when we were in your driveway. You were like, I want to write this book. I've been doing this and I've been helping patients through this for a long time. And where I wanted to kind of start with, it's like, this has been a big personal problem for me. So I'm going to do my best to not milk your time for like a personal session as part of this podcast. <laughs> but of all the problems, I guess you've worked with clients through like at your practice, I guess maybe start, right. start there. Like when clients come to you at your practice, like we've been to your, your in-person doctor's office, like why do they want to come there? Like, is it, what's the central theme? Like they just want to feel good and feel healthier. It really varies. So my brick and mortar, I'm a naturopathic physician and in the state of Oregon, that gives me primary care scope. So although I tend not to prefer to be people's primary care because I don't want to pick up the phone at two in the morning on a Friday, I have a full scope of regular medical practice. So people come to see me for high cholesterol and headaches and their annual exams and, you know, whatever things you would see your primary care doctor for. But my training is not only just in Western medicine, but it's extensively in herbs and nutrition and lifestyle counseling and other kinds of natural modalities that I can use in an integrative way with whatever approach we're taking to make sure that it lines up with that person's values. And I also, in addition to my brick and mortar, I have an online business where I see clients. So I have patients in person and then clients online. And so what I have found over the years, and this is my 22nd year practicing, what I have found is that every single health condition, you know, sometimes it's, yeah, I'm hitting my head with a hammer and I have headaches, but usually it's a, you know, a multitude of things that are impacting the person's ability to not manifest a symptom. So let me give you an example. I'll give the headache example. So someone may have headaches because they have a genetic disposition, but they also have a gluten sensitivity and they have a bad pillow and they are not getting enough sleep. And I look at all of those things as this accumulation of affecting the symptom. And then in addition to that, there are all, there's the overall stress of life because life happens, right? We all have many responsibilities. And even, you know, I would imagine this comes up for your community quite a bit where people are like, oh, you're just driving around the country relaxing. But, you know, there's a lot of stress in anyone's life, right? Like, where are we going to stay tonight? And, you know, what's going on in our, I mean, you still have your life, even if you're not, say, sitting in one place, or if you have a location independent job, like you still have stress in your life. And so those things accumulate to lead to overwhelm, which then leads to whatever your weak spot is symptom wise, right? Whether it's actual feeling of overwhelm, like, oh my gosh, I'm overwhelmed, or headaches or digestive issues or reflux or, you know, whatever inflammation, whatever it is that kind of plagues you because that's your disposition. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that, I mean, that makes sense. And I was just thinking about it because I'm like, there, you gave some examples in your book of people saying like, well, I want to lose a little bit of weight or something like that. So like of all the different kind of areas of people that you help and support and like all the, I'm assuming after a certain period of time, you can like, you can now pick up on things a lot faster and say like, well, here's the things that may be causing this. So it's like of all the things that you could kind of bring to a head and say like, this is the most important, it's almost like making a documentary or a movie. Like the hardest part for me afterwards was like all these sub stories that I could tell. And it's like picking which one is the most meaningful that's going to have the biggest impact. Right. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. So it's like with, you know, with overcoming overwhelm, it strikes a big chord with me because there's been a lot of times this past year where I just like, I've literally used those words. I feel overwhelmed and it kind of has created this internal narrative. So for you, like you could have wrote a book about like 
gluten sensitivity and how like to nix that out of your life. You could have talked about, you know, losing weight through these various methods, like feeding. I think you talked about uh, feeding your son, like a certain type of vegetables, like breaking that up in his baby food, which Alyssa is totally going to do for our kid, by the way, (laughs) based off of that. So like you could have went all these different directions for like a book. What was it that made you land on overwhelmed as this thing that you saw affecting so many people? Right. I, you know, I, I will say that this originally, so that the concept that I put forth in the book is, as I mentioned before, but in a little more detail, is that we have this accumulation of stress in all the areas of our lives that then, I think about that as a bucket, that then it overflows and leads to overwhelm. And the things that are in that bucket are the things that we identify as stresses, right? Like I'm overwhelmed by this task or that task or my to-do list, but also the food we eat and the environment around us and our relationships and our, you know, our pain level, you know, all of those things impact it. And so I originally, and I call, I originally was calling that a stress bucket. Uh, and the way that I presented the content in the book was more around stress originally. And it was actually my publisher uh, who said, let's reframe this as overwhelm and see what happens. And that slight tweak in the framing, which it didn't really, you know, when I talked about this concept and worked on it face to face with people, the the stress piece worked, but not everyone identifies it as, you know, the, this concept of stress. And so coming at it from overwhelm allowed me to build this foundation of, okay, here's actually what's happening. This is just too much. And that was, I think, brilliant of them. Uh, it, it really kind of codified the content in a way that allowed me to present it in a way that was a little bit more accessible, I think. So that's the kind of logistical way we got to the word overwhelm. But as far as why I presented this content and why this content is so important is because every single one of my patients would get to, you know, every single one of them and my patients and clients would get to a place where they said, well, it's too much or I don't have time or this is difficult or that is difficult because they didn't take the time. People don't naturally take the time to figure out what's most important, how they want to feel both physically and emotionally in order to vet their choices. And so we all want to do so much. We want to say, yes, we want to help people. We all have aspects of our personality, like being perfectionists or being driven that, that, that land us with, you know, and our cultural paradigm too, right? That's very much the cultural paradigm now, do, 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 where we take on so much and we have so many things going on that we lose sight of what it is that's really most important and that's what leads to the overwhelm right does that make no that that, i mean that makes total sense you're just adding more things on top of everything else that you have going on so right and even if you only did the things you wanted to do right like so let's say i take away all the responsibilities to other people i take away taking care of my kid and making sure my house is clean and i do just the things i want to do i want to read 40 you know and i know you're a goal maker too we talked about this when you were here right like i want to read 40 books this year i want to i think we had a conversation about whether uh, listening to books is the same as reading books <laughs> we did i forgot about yeah. that yeah so you know what you know, I want to read 40 books a year. I want to do this amount of exercise. I want to, you know, keep in touch with these people. I want to, you know, I want to learn how to speak Spanish. I want to learn how to play piano. I want to, I mean, this list of things that I couldn't possibly in a million years get to just the things I want to do. And then you take the list of the things you think you should do. And that's also an endless list. So how do we integrate those things. So the things on our to-do list, the things that we're going after, the things we're creating are the things that really truly line up with what's most important to us. Yeah. I feel like whenever we, you know, my gut reaction, whenever somebody talks about like cutting stress out of your life, 
is kind of these almost high-level Band-Aid solutions, which maybe are helpful in some regards, like say no more. You know, like say no more when somebody's asking for my time. So it's like I find myself being really hypersensitive when people ask to jump on a phone call, like, or whatever. I'm just like, no, I'm not doing that. And, and these, and I'm sure, you know, like at the end of the day, that's helpful, but these are kind of like more one-off solutions where, um, when Alyssa and I talked about this recently on a podcast, we were like, okay, what are our themes for this year? What are our values? And I was like, for me, I want to get clarity because I've been mm, having a hard that's time. That's one ca- of my words this year too. It, so yeah, yeah. And so the whole notion is that like, I don't know, it's been hard for me to figure out what I want to say yes to right. be- because I don't, I'm still trying to identify like those values and, and the things that are most important to me, you know, like, do I say yes to a potential investment in my software company? Uh, or do I continue bootstrapping and have more freedom and flexibility and one less person to answer to? So it's kind of like, that's one thing that I noticed while reading the book that you kind of, you basically walk through like this whole process of like, it's right. not just about saying no or like meditating. Those are like good things to do, but they're kind of band-aid solutions. Like you have to first start with this whole notion of like figuring out your true north, right? Right, right. And the true north being what, again, what I mentioned earlier, the true north is what your core values are, how you want to feel physically, how you want to feel emotionally, and then how do you want to show up in the world? And I also want to back up just one thing you said, um, touched, uh, struck a chord for me, which is that I, I think that, you know, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater with meditation and saying no, or, you know, the typical or atypical outside the box stress management techniques, because we have to do that also. The, it reminds me of when I'm seeing a patient you know, I think that there's some naturopaths, you know, when, as a naturopathic physician, we want to get to the cause of the problem and not just treat the symptoms. And so this is kind of a, you know, reflection, this concept is a reflection of that, but I'm not going to skip treating the symptoms, right? I want to do that at the same time. So we need to learn how to deal with our stress and ways to manage it when it does happen, because ultimately it's inevitable, no matter how clear you are about what's most important, there are going to be times that you're stressed because life happens. So we have to have good tactics, but at the same time, we need to, the term I use is dismantle it. So we need to look at, okay, what are all the things that are causing me stress, which can feel overwhelming. However, ultimately, the more clear we are, the more control we have, and the more agency we have about the specific choices that we make as individuals. Totally. And there's this whole notion of like, we don't change until there is either like enough pain happening in our bodies. Like I won't get off gluten until like I eat power through a whole pizza and I just roll over and <laughs> almost, like, or when there's enough like pleasure or, or like goal or something to like give us some element of happiness. Like otherwise we kind of just stay in the middle. So right. if someone's listening to this and they're like, well, I kind of feel overwhelmed, but it's not at the breaking point yet. Like what is overwhelmed? Like that the sense of overwhelmedness do in our lives if it's left untreated like from your experience with working with patients and clients and things like that yeah. like what ha- like what happens like spark some fear inside of us uh, well you know i will say that this is really it's pertinent often with younger people because they don't feel crummy typically right they don't you don't start having these effects of on your health until you've been on the planet longer and have this kind of cumulative burden. But I will say so that I can just push this off for another 15 years. It happens all the saying. time. Yeah. Yes, it happens all the time. And that's that pain point thing. And I really encourage people to look at, okay, you know, it's prevention, right? And it's looking and being honest with yourself. If you really look at what's going on, you're going to see a symptom, you know, a physical symptom, an emotional symptom, you know, and always it will end up with whatever your weak spot is. So if your weak spot is headaches, you're going to get headaches 
at some point if you don't make sure that you're avoiding them by making the choices that line up with that. And the, the key for me is saying, all right, if what's most important to you is feeling this way and accomplishing this and meeting your values, and that's the fear piece, right? If you're not living a life that's in alignment with your values and how you want to feel, you're going to end up somewhere where you don't want to be. And now you're living someone else's life. Now you're living a life that doesn't meet what your highest dreams and goals are. And then you look back and say, wow, I just spent 20 years, you know, X, Y, or Z. And, you know, that doesn't mean we have to love everything we do, right? There are always going to be things in our life. Some people, you know, there's a, an article that I just shared on social media that was talking about how, you know, this whole myth of taking your hobby and turning it into your hustle to make money is like, you know, stripping people of their joy from their hobbies in a lot of ways. Like we don't have to monetize everything we do. And I said, the flip side of that also is you don't have to love your job. For instance, like sometimes your job is the, the what you're doing is you're getting food on the table with your job and that there are other things that are going to bring you joy. And so I think that there's this crazy pressure about, you know, here is you know, here is what you have to do, but ultimately everyone's different, right? What's important to you is what's most important, period. If you don't know what's most important, you can't possibly make choices to feel well. You can't because you don't have any way to vet them. And you're just kind of muddling along doing the thing that's either expected or that is knee jerk. How much of the things that overwhelm people would you say like how how often would you say it's things that people feel like they should do versus just like if they actually did a clear audit of what made them happy? Like I feel like most of it is just derived from like I feel like I should be posting this and, and social media is like an easy one to beat up on. Mm -hmm. But it's like yeah. I feel like I should be here and here and here and doing this and this and this without really saying like, well, is this important in our business? Is it important for me as a person? And hating it, right? So for me, I, you know, I was just with the book promotion stuff, for instance, my PR team wanted me to be interacting with people on Twitter. I'm like, I don't, I really just don't like Twitter. It's not a place I like to be. And so it causes me duress. And so looking at the cost benefit ratio of whatever that thing is. And, you know, as far as the shoulds, I think everyone has a different propensity toward whether that impacts them or not, right? Some people really don't care. Other people say they don't care and then they actually do. <laughs> and some people care in some ways and not in other ways. And I think that that's largely personality driven. And that's one of the things that I really was trying to do with this book that I think I did an okay job with is really helping people look at, you know, again, this is for me what my roadblocks are, right? So for one person's you know, one person, it's going to be that they're a perfectionist and that they're not going to, you know, go half in, they're going to go all in. And for another person, it's going to be fear of disappointing people or, you know, not wanting to back out on a commitment. It, it's so varied, Heath. I mean, it's so varied. It really is so individual. And that I think is the big point here that, you know, there is no one the original, the original title of this book, when I, I, I met with a, an agent on the phone when I had the original iteration of the proposal, and the original title was, The Answer Is There Is No Answer. And he was like, <laughs> that is the worst name of the book <laughs> I've ever heard in all of my years as an, as, a, as an agent. It's true, however. And it's not that there's no, you know, I mean, I guess it's not that there's no answer. There's no one answer, right? You can't, there's going to be no magic 
you know, one of the things about self-help books often is I think they're like, oh, if you, you know, con Marie your house, everything's going to be great. You know, life will be wonderful. Or if you, you know, start saying no, or if you engage in deep work or, you know, whatever these things are. And all of those things are really important. And I, I love being able to pick and choose which things are going to be important for me. But ultimately, it's about what's most important. You, know, you know, what what do you need to do for you? Mm. No, totally. That makes that makes so much sense. That's actually the theme of our conference this year. Our RV Entrepreneur Summit is like create your own rules. Because obviously, a lot of people like if you're choosing to go live in RV and travel, like you're kind of writing your own rules and your own script for life and what work looks like. But even if for people who are starting a location independent business or looking at other people who are out traveling, like there still could be this notion of like, I need to go live this life. And that's how it should be done because this is how this person's doing it. It's like, no, that's right. dumb. It's like, I found the people that I admire most, like our, like we have some friends, their names are Kathy and Peter Holcomb. They spend over 300 days a year out on the water kayaking. They, they're professional kayakers wow. and photographers and that's what they love to do. And I know they turn down, you know, probably a lot of really cool gigs because it doesn't align with that thing that makes them happy. And, right. and I realize like I value, and I think you even talk about this in your book. It's like, I value that in others so much. And, and I realize it's like, maybe that's something I need to be reflecting and, and striving for in myself and, and kind of going right. after that. So going back to you kind of, you walk people through a process. So if somebody's listening to this and they're thinking they're overwhelmed, like, and I know we only have like uh, 20 more minutes or something like that, but like, I kind of want to go through some of the steps that you talk about. Like one of the first things you you mentioned is like, okay, there's no one, there's no one answer if you're feeling this way. But one of the first things you can do is, is like getting clarity on how do you want to feel? Like, you know how you don't want to feel, you don't want to feel overwhelmed. Um, and so like, I guess you can kind of start through like, what are some of the steps people can take to start dismantling that feeling of being overwhelmed? Sure. I mean, the, the whole first part of the book, the first you know section of the book is about getting clear about your true north. I'll actually go ahead for the do you have show notes? You do have show yes, notes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. For the show notes, I'll provide that first exercise, the values exercise to get kind of a taste cool. of what that looks like. And, you know, <clears throat> you can go through the same process that you do for the values exercise with how you want to feel. And, you know, one of the things that I got a little stuck with, with the book is that there are so many different ways that you can want to feel and any word can represent that for you and it changes. So you need to make sure to be looping back to it. But the example I always give is for instance, being happy. So, you know, there are all these books, it's like happiness quest is all the rage right now. And happiness is different things to different people. So for me, I don't really want to feel, I don't have a drive to feel kind of exuberant joy or ebullience. Like I'm just not it's not something that I strive for, but this kind of contentment is something that I do strive for in certain areas. However, discontent also drives a lot of the things that I want to do in my work. And so really taking the time to pick apart, these are the most, you know, here are the six ways that I most, the things that I most want to feel. And then that can also shift as well, right? It's not necessarily static. It can change over time. So the last year when I did this, the words that I came up with were connected, fluid, fulfilled, intentional, and valued. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. It's allergy season over here. You're good. Um, and then I had this experience of working through the book, and there are then things that shifted around that. 
that became more important that kind of came to the surface. And I had to kind of switch gears around that. And so actually taking the time to literally come up with the words and there's, you know, again, there's an, there's an exercise in the book about that, but you don't need the exercise. You can just come up with any, you know, start writing down the words about how you want to feel. Something that I often have people do is write a page or two pages or three pages, however much time it takes about what your perfect day would look like and along the way, how you feel. So I, you know, I wake up in the morning and I stretch and I feel well rested and excited for my day. And then I, you know, walk into the kitchen and hug my kid and offer to help make lunch and I feel helpful. And so getting really clear about what your perfect day would look like and how you would feel in that day. And then you can go through and circle all the words that are feelings words and say, is that something that's important to me? Is that something that's important to me? Because ultimately, you know, and there are lots of different versions of your perfect day. It might be a perfect work day versus a perfect weekend day. And you can do one for each and a perfect vacation day. And then say, which of those things, you know, so let's say on your vacation that you want to feel adventurous, then do, you know, is that something that you want to feel on the regular? Well, if it is, that's something that you might not have thought about, right? And so how do you get that need met? Well, you may get it met by saying, all right, I'm going to live in an RV instead of living in an apartment or, you know, whatever that thing is, it allows you to look at your choices and then say, does this line up? And we're never going to feel the way we want to feel all the time. It's impossible. And then also sometimes our brain chemistry affects how we feel and we really need to get that worked out as well. I'll just throw that out, you know, in the interim just to make sure that we don't leave that beside. <laughs> yeah. So, so if I said, I want to, I want to feel clarity, like in a, one of my day to day, I think that was, that was one of the words I, I circled and, and wrote down in the section. Like I want to feel clarity in my work and in direction. I don't want to wake up and kind of like decide like, well, what's the most important thing I want to know. You know, I want to just have that sense of direction and and what I'm pursuing each day. So if somebody just said, like, here's the words that I'm going to choose on a day-to-day basis, like, what is kind of that next step? If they decide, like, this is what my ideal day looks like, like, what is kind of the next step in that process of... Um, right. I, I do. I know we said we're not going to make this like a personal coaching session for you, but I do want to kind of touch on that because I think it's an important example. Let's get so real. Fe- feeling clarity, like what's underneath that? Like, is it that you want to... You know, knowing that's so feeling, feeling clear, what, what about that, right? So knowing what you want to do is not really a feeling. And so sometimes we see people who are particularly cerebral Mm. kind of go in that direction. So if I were kind of coaching you around that, I would say, okay, you want to feel clear about what is most important to do. So is it that you don't want to feel distracted and you want to feel focused? Is it that you want to Mm. feel secure, secure? Is it that you want to feel confident, right? So there's something underneath that. that, And so continuing to get under it, under it, under it to like, what's the bottom line thing here? Like, what's the, what's the heart, you know, what's the heart piece? Not just, not just the head piece. Totally. Yeah. It might even be something that a lot of people, maybe even other people listen to this podcast struggle with too. Like as an entrepreneur, my default is like, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to bust my ass today. Like I'm going to work and I'm going to. And I'm going to, and I'm going to go and I'm going to go and I'm going to go. And you, you wrote like a little bit later in the book, you talked about like figuring out like what roadblocks, either real physical roadblocks or like subconscious roadblocks or whatever are holding you back. And it's kind of like this moment of your book where you kind of have to be real and audit like, 
okay, you know, like this is how I want to live my life and this is what I want my days to look like and this is what I want my relationships to look like, et cetera. But like what is – what's keeping me from doing these things? And it's kind of like we have to be real because it's subconscious. So like I don't even know if I'm just BSing or this was really there. But like I, I feel like for me that like internal script is I can't slow down because if I right. do, then I'll lose. And I'm not right. sure who I'll lose to, and I know that's, like, stupid, but I feel like right. that's this internal drive. So as somebody who also values travel and experiences and and new places and hiking and things like that, there's these kind of two parts that are um, conflicted sometimes where it's like, okay, do I wake up today and go enjoy the outdoors and do this thing, or do I, you know, grow my, my software business that's fledgling and, and you know, I've got five contractors that I'm managing right now and, you know, like make sure I'm doing the things I need to do. So, um, you know, I think there are seasons and that's the other thing we really need to keep in mind too. Like there's, when you're in the middle of a startup, there's a season for that, right? So for me working, when I was working on the book, for instance, it was, as you know, like a three plus year process from proposal to publishing, maybe even a little bit longer than that because of some personal things that got in the middle of it. But the, you know, that season, I had to prioritize one of my values over another because you you either have to prioritize them or integrate them, right? You can't, you can't, I think, you know, what it sounds like to me is in that kind of situation is you have these kind of two things that you're like either, or it really needs to be yes. And right. Mm -hmm. That's my, my friend, Lindsay Perra says that all the time, right? It needs to be yes. And, and not, you know, either, or because ultimately both of those things are important to you. So how do you find, and I don't, I really don't like the word balance because it kind of brings this whole work life balance thing. And honestly, our lives are our lives. You don't have two separate lives. I mean, you could, but that's, I think really difficult, especially for entrepreneurs, right? I have, you know, I feel the same way when I wake up every morning today, I'm going to accomplish this, this, and this. And what I do is I get up and I first, I write, you know, here is, you know, with my words right in front of me, what my values are, how I want to feel. And I kind of get set up for my day. Like, here are the things I'm going to focus on and making sure that I'm hitting all the spokes of the wheel, right, of making sure that I'm doing what's important to me. But, you know, when you have a thing that's keeping you, you know, that drive piece, you know, it, the, the characteristics and the qualities we have that plague us are also our best gifts. And so being really driven is what makes you an excellent and successful entrepreneur. And it's also the thing that keeps you from taking care of yourself the way you need to take care of yourself. And the, you know, the understanding of that allows you to then say, all right, what are, you know, is, is it ultimately something that's serving me? Like really pausing and saying, is this software business, right? Because you're doing it. How is this going to serve me? And what kind of investment do I need to make in it, you know, emotionally and monetarily and logistically, you know, how, what, what is that? And is it, you know, because always as entrepreneurs, there are things that aren't going to work. Like you can't have everything go. It just doesn't, it's impossible. Um, and if it does, then you're, then you're not taking the right kind of risks. Um, so, you know, really understanding more about what's what what that drive is, is that pathological or is it beneficial? And looking, you know, I always say, is this thing going to I'm going to use this personality trait for good or for evil? And, you know, obviously not evil, evil, but, you know, evil to myself. So is my being driven? Like, how can I take that and use it positively? And where is it impeding me? So it's impeding me when I look on Facebook and I see that this person who's totally unqualified is launching this course on stress and just sold 40, you know, 40,000 <laughs> seats to it or whatever, you know, it, that, that makes me feel like I'm not doing enough. 
that's pathological, right? But to say, all right, this is, I want to write a book and publish it with a, you know, legit mass market publisher because I want that to help me in my speaking career. And, you know, so this is like a step-by-step thing that's really important that may or may not work, but that this, the being driven allowed me to do that. If I wasn't really driven, I would never have been able to do that because I have a full-time job, <laughs> right? Totally. Yeah. No, that makes, that makes sense. Yeah. I a long answer. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. I feel like one of, one of the things that just kind of popped in my head is, uh, I, I don't know if other people would kind of think this at like a grain of salt, but there's so much, I think you alluded to this earlier. There's so much of a hoopla over the hustle and like mm-hmm. grinding and things like that. So it's like, I feel like one of the barriers that like people probably would go through, even if they wanted more time for like their family or for traveling or like, I want to play disc golf more, you know, like, <laughs> and you know, like little things like that. But one of the press, like the pressures is like, I should be. I should be right. working this amount of hours. It kind of comes with the territory and then maybe the right. sense of guilt if you're not, which is all stupid, but I feel like that's maybe, I don't know if that's just me or if that's something that maybe other entrepreneurs. No, I think it's really common. And I think saying it's stupid is shitting yourself in another way, right? Like <laughs> it's not stupid. It's human. It's human nature. Yeah. So let's start right there. And I mean, I think the kind of, you know, when we give ourselves a hard time about, oh gosh, I should have done this. I should have done that. I should be working harder or whatever. Like that's the fundamental problem. It's almost like you're, you're stressed about like the stress. It's like a, it's like a macro. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a little, (laughs) is there like a fancy word for that being, there is a word. Yeah. There's it's, um, yeah, I don't remember the word for it, but there is a word for the meta it's meta. Okay. (laughs) Um, you know, but I, you know, I will say that the more clear you are, about what's most important to you and that you're making choices based on your own values and not someone else's because, you know, our values we come by because we take on the values of the people around us because we are, we take on the values of our culture in general. And I think the more we're clear about, Oh, that's actually not important to me. That's important to my mom (laughs) or, you know, even as an adult, like there are things that I find myself coming up against. I'm like, well, that's important to my mom. I'm like, heartily middle-aged like my what my mom wants should not be affecting me right now but things that kind of become or our you know, spiritual community or our entrepreneurial community right we think like I want this because they have that the whole you know we see that online a lot like oh, I have the six-figure launch and I'm like I, I, I don't want a six fi- I don't want to work the amount of work it would take to have a six-figure launch like sure it would be great if I could sit back and have that but ultimately, you know, it's really not about that. It's about what do you know, what is it that I need to live the life that lines up with my own values and taking time to step back and look at that is honestly the most important thing. Is this my value or is this someone else's value? And that's sometimes hard to pick apart. And sometimes it takes time where you're, you know, consciously saying, here are my values. And then you say, here's what I'm going to do. Here are the stresses I'm going to take out. Here's what I'm going to focus on. You know, here's how I'm going to empty my buck, my stress bucket. And then you go, wow, this isn't what I thought it would be. Now what? You know, and there are things you, you can't, I was gonna say really briefly, there are things you can't turn around, like having children, for instance, (laughs) um, you know, and so, but then you say, okay, how do I live this more within the confines of the life that I have? Because sometimes there are things we don't have choices over period. So, yeah, absolutely. And, and I know you, you can, you get into a lot of helping people kind of craft that plan for dismantling overwhelm. But like you said, I feel like this is probably the, definitely the the hardest part is just getting clarity on what makes 
what makes the most sense for you as a person and, right. and then, and then figuring out like, because it's almost like very easy to, again, I kind of go back to the gluten sensitivity. I probably have it. And I think we talked about this even when we at your place, like maybe like a dairy, but I just like, I refuse to acknowledge it because it's kind of like in the background. It's almost like, how right. do you, how do people acknowledge like a sense of feeling overwhelmed if they've grown accustomed to that feeling? Like if someone's listening to this and they're like, yeah. I, I think I'm fine. Like, how do you even know like that you're kind of just disconnected from those feelings? Cause I feel like that's easy too. Right. Right. And that's, that is again, human nature for, especially for certain people. Right. So I think looking at, you know, I think looking at every, we all have overwhelm impacting us in one way or another. I think we just don't realize it. And going through the process in this book is helpful for everyone, whether you feel, I feel overwhelmed in this minute or not, because getting clear about what's most important helps you make decisions. But I have yet to have someone go through this that didn't say, oh, yeah, that is not, you know, I, what this choice is not lining up with what's most important to me. And, you know, you get to decide, you know, you're a grown up, you can eat gluten if you want. But if ultimately you say, okay, he, I know that I need to feel as well as I can in my body to be able to do all of these things and not feel overwhelmed, right? So if you're feeling more energy and your health is better, you have more bandwidth to be able to do more things and not feel overwhelmed. And so if you're just like, okay, my goal is to feel this way. I mean, if you feel great, then don't do, you know, you're, don't worry about it. You've got nothing to worry about. Do you, you know, do you want to tweak what you're doing to make better choices? Maybe, but ultimately, you know, it's about how, you know, what are your goals and thinking about your goals too, not just from this perspective of, I don't want to feel poorly right now, but what do I want to see in 10, 20, 30 years? And I'm not saying people need to do these like, you know, long-term exercises about what's your, you know, what's your legacy in your life or anything like that, unless you want to, but the, you know, eating sugar cereal every morning, like everyone knows that that's not a healthy choice. And so you go, why do I, you know, here are the things that I want to accomplish in my life. Here's what's most important. My values are these things that I want to live. We all want to make an impact on the world. We want to make an impact on the people around us. We want to make the world a better place. Like pretty much, you know, most people, except for, you know, sociopaths and narcissists really want to do good in the world, right? Like we want to make a difference. If it's not on a greater scale, it's the people around us, the people we love, like one or the other, but we can't do that long term, if we're going to have a heart attack, because we're, you know, eating sugar, cereal and fast food, and, you know, not to shame people who choose to do that, you can choose it. You're a grown up, but make sure it lines up with what's important to you. If it's if it, you know, I say this to my patients all the time, if you don't want to stop eating a box of ding dongs every night, that's legit, you're a grown up, but understand the ramifications, and make sure that lines up with what's most important to you, you know, or someone who's not choosing to take their supplements, or who's not going to get the you know, get the test I've recommended them getting. So we understand what their health issues are. You know, is it really okay with you to keep yourself in the dark? And that it may be, it really may be. And that's okay, right? Like you don't we need to, I don't need to shove health down anyone's throat. But most people want to feel healthy because they want to have the energy they want to have, have the life they want to have, have the mood they want to have, and understanding their choices you know, that we have agency, even if there are circumstances we can't change, there's so much agency we have about our choices on a day to day basis. I love that. I think at the end of the like, at some point in your life, most people sit down or a lot of people sit down and like audit and say like, okay, what are the, what matters to me? Or maybe they haven't even been as intentional, but they've thought about it. Like family right. is important to me. Like you kind of know at when you get to the heart of ask, like get it, you can get to the heart of these things pretty quickly. Like, how do you want to feel like 
Um, that part is a little bit easier, but it's almost like all the drop off that happens after that, the accountability in the sense of like, I'm going to do things. And I figured out for me, for instance, like if I sign up for a half marathon, like I did last year, I'm going to run for the three months prior to that. And then promptly I will stop if I don't have a goal. It's a way and and it's, it's silly. You know, like if I was a more motivated person, I could just do that every day, but I realized that's a way to trick myself, not trick myself, but force myself into the results that I want. Um, so what are some of the ways that if people said like, I want to feel a certain way that you've seen success in like some of your patients to sticking right. with the, if that, does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. So the first thing I would say is to understand how you make change best. So if having a goal is helpful for you, then you have your next half marathon already signed up for when you run the first one. Right. And for someone who doesn't know, you know, if you don't necessarily know where you're going to be in three, well, you can really get anywhere. Who cares? Right. Like pick a pick a place, you know, and so have that set up if you need that kind of goal. And everyone, you know, everyone has different ways they make change best. Some people are slow change makers. Some people are fast change makers. I call that your chi of change. You know how you make changes best and the kind of support you need. For me, sometimes I need accountability and there are certain things like I need to get this thing done that I'm having a hard time getting done because some, for some reason my subconscious won't let me or because I'm distracted or because I'm feeling down or whatever that is. And I have a, you know, I have a particular girlfriend that I will text and say, Hey, I need some accountability. And we have an arrangement where she says like, okay, what do you need to get done? I tell her what I need to get done. She says, when do you need to do it by? And I tell her when I need to do it by. And if it's not done, I agree to donate $150 to a cause that I hate that I feel really uncomfortable with supporting. <laughs> yeah, and right. Me, I yeah, thought that was and, funny. I mean, yeah. And I mean, what's, I really what's have, the actual website that you can go to like, oh, lo- so there's a, yes, there's a website that will do that. I actually have a friend that I have that a- arrangement with, but there's a website called, uh, uh, stick S T I C K K. And you can put in, you know, your goal and you can have a referee that is someone that's actually a stranger, or you can have your own referee and you can actually have the money donated to a cause you support or don't support. But for me, having a cause I don't support is much more motivating because we donate money to causes we support. I mean, what you could do is donate an amount of money that would hurt. I could be like, I'll donate, you know, X thousands of dollars, you know, which, you know, I'm still, again, the motivation is a lot stronger for me if it's a cause that I really feel uncomfortable with supporting. And some people need that kind of negative reinforcement. Other people need to find a friend who is going to be an accountability buddy. And you, you know, you text every morning and say, here's the thing, you know, that I'm going to do. But the other thing, Heath, is I think that I mean, a lot of people are like, okay, I'm going to do this. 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 And you can't do it all. You cannot do it all. And you can't fail at taking care of yourself. So there's going to be different seasons and different things and different priorities, but going like, all right, this is doable. So picking goals that are actually, you know, uh, doable that line up with what's most important and not just saying, you know, again, with that whole thing about if I did just the things I wanted to do, it's the same thing here. So I think that, to keep yourself motivated, you need to understand how you work best, really understand yourself and then put things in place. And that may be, you know, once a month reassessing, because sometimes we pick the wrong thing. You know, you, you may say, all right, I want to keep running. So I want to do a half marathon every three months, but it turns out that you've actually, you know, hurt your knee and that that's no longer the right thing to do (laughs) or that you have this really busy, you know, run up to your conference. And so 
taking out an hour a day to run. I mean, it's hard to imagine that that wouldn't be a good thing for you. Right. So, or say (laughs) I want to get stronger. Right. So you might say, well, right now I've made this commitment to do this marathon, this half marathon, but ultimately we're seeing all this research that strength training actually is better for X, Y, and Z, which is how I want to feel. So I'm going to do that instead. Um, and allowing yourself to switch gears without feeling like you failed, because when we feel like we failed, we now put this whole extra pressure on ourselves that is really unnecessary. We then feel failure and shame and I can't do it. And I didn't follow through again. And what's wrong with me? And you know, that's, that, that's not okay. That, that leads you to live a life where you feel crappy and that no one wants to feel like that. Yeah. I remember you saying that a couple of years ago, you can't fail at self-care. And yeah, like you said, the whole notion of if you're attempting to try to take care of yourself in a better way, the, like one of the only things that'll make it worse is if you fall short and then beat yourself up. Because that's just going to like compound, right? Yep. 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 I I love that. Well, well, Dr. Samantha, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and, uh, and talking through this. I know I got a lot of value and I know listeners said too, where can people learn more uh, about your book and connect with you? Oh, great. Thanks. So I'm on social on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at Dr. Samantha ND, Dr. Samantha N is in naturopathic D is in doctor. And my website is drsamantha.com, drsamantha.com. And there's information about my book and my work I do online and all that. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Samantha, for coming on the podcast. My, my pleasure. I really liked it. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into that episode with Dr. Samantha. If you want to grab the show notes, head on over to heathandalyssa.com and click on podcast. Also, make sure to hit up Dr. Samantha's book on Amazon, Overcoming Overwhelmed. It's seriously awesome. I've marked up the mess out of mine. It's already looking really old because <laughs> I've I've read it a lot. Um, I really enjoyed the physical print of this book just because I found myself wanting to take a lot of notes and there's exercises. So if you do go order it, I would recommend getting the physical copy just for those reasons. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode, and I'll see you all next time on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast.